Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Do me a favor, bow your head, and let's pray. Let's get into the word today. Father, thank you for your word that heals our disease. Lord, I pray that your word would also be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, I pray that your word today would be sharper than any two-edged sword and that it would cut where it needs to cut, not for damage, but for healing. I pray that the great physician would do a work on our lives today, and we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want you to go with me to Revelation chapter 3. We'll be starting in verse 14. I'm reading today what I'm calling the message of being entitled, uh, Letter to the American Church. I guess if I was going to expand on that a little bit, I'd say a, a letter to the American church in 2023. This passage is actually, um, a word to the church at Laodicea. They're in Revelation chapter 3. And it is about a lukewarm church. There's actually like a famous verse down in the middle of this where scripture says, I wish that you were either hot or cold, but since you are lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And the message here today on the negative side is about a lukewarm church middle of the road, middle of the rock, mediocre church that Jesus was writing to. This is the bad news. Let me tell you, every gospel message will touch on the bad news. But on the back end of that, there is good news. And so if we wanted the positive side of this title uh, in this, this passage, it would not be about a lukewarm church, but it would be about a victorious church. Everybody say that with me, a victorious church. One more time, really good and strong, a victorious church. So we'll be starting at uh, verse 14. If you're following along in the notes, I want to give you the first two things I want to touch on. I'm going to close with the third piece towards the end of this message. The first thing I want you to understand about a victorious church is that a victorious church will listen to the voice of Jesus in the quiet so that it can recognize the voice of Jesus during turmoil. Let me tell you, you can be in a crowded mall and a little kid hear the voice of his mom or the voice of his dad and his eyes will go directly, directly to that mom or dad. Is that true? I'll never forget, we were in a crowded mall in Miami, Dolphin Mall, The kids were little. I mean, when I say crowded, it's packed. It's near the airport. People fly in from all over the world, land at the airport, walk to the mall with no no baggage, buy luggage in the mall, walk through this mall, this dolphin mall, fill their bags with clothes they bought and fly back to wherever they came from. I'm talking, it's like the United Nations. And we went in there with our kids when they were little and, We stepped in, we were going to get ice cream. And let me tell you, when you're little, you can't see anything but knees. And one of our kids, I won't name him, 
but his initials are Blake Johnson. <laughs> and little Blake walked into the mall. We walked into this ice cream shop, and we were there getting ice cream. He looked around. He didn't see us. I mean, we were there, but it was a lot, just a lot of people. So we stepped out of the store, stepped a few out. I mean, there's hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people in this mall, and he went looking for us. And then so we couldn't find him, so he didn't have a cell phone. We went and talked to security. We said, there's a little blonde-headed boy. Now, there's not a whole lot of little blonde-headed boys in Miami. It's, 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 the whole world comes and collects. And so they, they began to get the words to, to, the, to the kiosks in the center of the mall. You know, the people that are doing iPhone repair and moisturizer and all of that. And they said, we, we just saw him. I tried to get him, but he ran from me. And every time somebody at a kiosk would try and get him, he would run. Why would he do that? Because we told him not to talk to strangers. He wasn't letting anybody catch him at all. It's awesome, awesome. We got him. You know what? But when he heard our voice, you know what he did? He looked. He looked and he saw us. It's important that we are with Jesus during times of quiet so we recognize his voice during times of noise. Does that make sense today? Okay. That's the first thing I want to give you. The second thing I want you to understand is that a victorious church will not deny Jesus during times of testing. Now, as I share that, I want to encourage you because everyone here in this room has denied Jesus during times of testing. It's a part of our development in discipleship, our, our coming to Christ, our our growth and our maturity. I, I just know that. I just know that the guy that Jesus asked to feed his sheep, the guy who Jesus renamed from Simon to Peter and said, on this rock, I will build my church. That guy the guy who preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people came to Jesus on that day, that guy also stood in front of a little girl who said, hey, aren't you one of those guys that was hanging out with Jesus? And he cursed and said, that was not me. Let me just encourage you. On your way to being a victorious church, you are going to have some challenges. Listen, outlive the challenges. Hang in there. Um, don't give up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, don't be weary in well-doing. Pastor, I'm just so tired. It doesn't feel like it's making a difference. It doesn't matter if you think it's making a difference. All you got to do is to be faithful and hang in there with Jesus because he will never leave you or forsake you. Why did, why? Well, come on, go ahead. That's all right. Why did he have to tell us this? Why does scripture have to tell us? Because sometimes things will get so challenging that we'll want to quit and we'll have to be told, don't be weary in well-doing. Why do you have to tell a runner to hang in there? Why do people have to stand on the sidelines and say, you can do it? Why do you have to be given a cup of cold water or some Gatorade or a goo gel to keep you going? Because these kinds of races can be very difficult and sometimes you just want to quit. But a victorious church doesn't quit. And ultimately, a victorious church does not deny Jesus. 
And when I think of the church in America right now, I'm very encouraged because there are some amazing things that are happening. You know what? There has been apathy in the church and there has been boredom in the church and there has been milk toast in the church and God is raising up some voices in some churches that when the trumpet blasts and that statue is rolled out in front of all the people, that you got some people that are saying, I'm not gonna bow. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. But we have, are in a season where the faith of the church, and I say the American church because that's where we are right now, is really being tested. And we are seeing people that we thought were faithful and organizations that we thought were faithful stepping away and leaning away from Christ, being silent on things that we shouldn't be silent on. Do you feel me today? Is that a fair assessment? Is that a fair assessment? And I'm not saying that so we can say, oh, well, look at us. I'm saying that so that we can say, hey, let us examine ourselves. Because, Lord, this is your word for us. And this is your word for me. So even if you're in a small group that you feel may be going this way, or if you're in a church that you feel like may be going this way, or if you're saddled by some time where you have went this way, I want to say this word isn't just a diagnosis to leave you there, but this is a word so that we could see ourselves and see Jesus and decide that we want to stand with Jesus. Amen. Now I'm encouraged. In 2015, uh, remember when we were seeing all of the ISIS killings that were happening? Killings, killings, killings. Reporters, the church. The church was on the run in the Middle East. Christians were being mercilessly killed. And Now do you remember in 2015 there were some Egyptian Christians that were lined up by ISIS on the seashore? in orange jumpsuits. Do you remember this? Does anybody remember this? And 21 Egyptian, probably Coptic uh, Egyptian Christians, the, the oldest, uh, among the oldest Christian movements on the planet. Now listen, I have heard people say that Christianity is it's a tool of European colonizers. People say that, who say that don't know what they're talking about. Because the church didn't first go to Europe. The church first went to Ethiopia. It's actually where it went. It, it, Paul didn't preach, uh, you know, in Europe before the, the gospel went to Ethiopia. Don't you remember? Philip left this great revival to go and meet an Ethiopian eunuch that was compelled and convicted by the book of Isaiah. And he said, what is this about? And Philip said, this is about the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And this man believes on Jesus and takes the gospel back to the Ethiopian kingdom. And today, the oldest church in the world is right there in that place. Now, this is the great thing about the gospel. The great thing about the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost, God gathered the nations. And as the spirit spoke through his people, the people of every language, every tribe heard the gospel in their language. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it doesn't separate, it brings people together. I'm thankful for that. But I will tell you, as I see these Egyptian Christians standing on the seashore, my heart is broken. 
but my heart is also encouraged because it's not a middle of the road, middle of the rock, mediocre, lukewarm faith that will allow you to stand during a time of testing like that. Is that a, is that a true word today? Hey, can we just bless those men who laid down their life for the gospel? Put your hands together. And as you do, I want to share this news story with you. Check this out. Welcome to this edition of Christian World News, everyone. I'm Wendy Griffith. Thanks for joining us. Well, imagine seeing your husband, brother, or father brutally killed by religious fanatics. That's what happened to many families when ISIS executed 21 Egyptian Christians in February. While the horrible video led to worldwide outrage, some families are happy that the martyrs kept their faith. And as Gary Lane found out, they're ready to forgive. I was very proud that my husband stood firm in his faith and that he didn't deny Jesus. That surprising reaction is happening 150 miles south of Cairo in the village of El Aour. Residents there honor the sacrifice of 21 Egyptians brutally murdered last February by ISIS. Their pictures are prominently displayed in the sanctuary of Virgin Mary Church. 13 attended this church. The martyrs left behind family members like 23-year-old Miriam Farhat. She became a widow when the militants beheaded her husband Malik Ibrahim in Libya. She first learned of his murder when she saw this now infamous video on local television. We were very sad for the first two days, but we hadn't seen the video. When we saw them in the video calling to Jesus, we were very comforted. And that's why Miriam and other families say they are now joyful, not sad. Babawi Alham's brother Samuel was among those killed. We were always praying that God would make them steadfast in their faith. We were very happy with what they said on the video, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. When we found out they had been killed for being Christian, we were very comforted because these were God's children and he took them. Although Samuel's wife and children now live without a husband and father, his family told CBN News their faith is stronger. They forgive the jihadists and even pray for ISIS. I pray for them that God may open their heart and they may know the truth and know that what they do is wrong and then do the right thing. Jesus told us to forgive every sin and we forgive them and we hope that they can come to know Jesus. Christians here in Egypt are encouraged to know they're not alone. Back in the United States, there's a growing movement among Christians there to demonstrate unity and solidarity with those who are suffering for Christ in the Middle East. What we thought was, how could we identify and stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Christ who are being brutalized around the world for their Christian faith? What tangible thing could we do? What practical thing could we do? Immediately, orange jumpsuits came to mind. Mahoney and others launched the hashtag orange jumpsuit campaign. The movement has expanded to orange scarves, sweaters, and ribbons. It's to remind our brothers and sisters that we love them and we're standing with them and to remind decision makers here in America and across the globe, the free nations of the world, we cannot be silent on this issue. Mahoney says the response has been amazing. Non-Christians have joined in as well. 
a Jewish rabbi to stand in solidarity with persecuted Christians is dyeing his beard orange, which I think is incredible, and I can't wait to see that. Miriam was encouraged after she viewed cell phone photos of Americans wearing orange. May the Lord make their love grow and grow. We are very happy with their love. We don't deserve their love. Mahoney says every five minutes around the world, a Christian is killed for his faith. People don't understand the kind of barbarism and brutality they are going through. And you know, when I visit persecuted Christians in the Middle East, there's one thing they always ask. It doesn't matter if it's Iraq, Syria, wherever it might be, it's this. Please remember us. And wearing orange on the job or at church helps people remember them. I think people need to understand that if we do not act quickly, the public expression of Christianity may be extinguished in the Middle East. As Elie Wiesel, Holocaust survivor and Nobel Peace Prize winner says, we must always take sides. Silence only helps the oppressor, never the oppressed. Miriam also has a message for others who have suffered or still face danger from ISIS. Don't be sad or cry. God will support us all. He will fulfill his promise that he is the father of the orphans and the widows. Gary Lane, CBN News, Cairo, Egypt. I hope you're inspired by uh, these men and their families, uh, by the faithfulness during the times of the most extreme testing. I pray also that you'd be obedient to the word of God today and that you would examine your own life because what you are facing today is not the same kind of testing. We have a different kind of testing in America. And it is just as important that we would be faithful to the word of God and be faithful to Jesus during that kind of test. And you know what you're facing. It's a it's largely a, a cultural test, a test that we face because of materialism and opportunity and blessing. We're distracted. We're distracted. And because we have not spent enough time with Jesus, because we are not grounded in the word of God, we see these shiny trinkets all over, and we're distracted. And it's just as important for us to be faithful in our different kind of testing than it is for these men and also for their families. Now, I don't know about you, but if I lost a family member like this, I believe that I would be tempted to be bitter and to be angry, even angry at God. And I'm thankful today that through these testimonies we heard, we see a picture of eternity, uh, a revelation of eternity, that this is not all there is. How many of you would say, Pastor, I want to be found faithful today? Let's just go ahead and bless the Lord for that. And, and let's read. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. I'm going to pause just for a second. Okay, and first I want to say these are the words of Jesus as given to John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos when he was exiled as a prisoner after having been boiled in oil, the only 
of the disciples not to be martyred, but it wasn't because they didn't try. These words come from Jesus, and it's written to, who is it? The angel of the church in Laodicea. You might be thinking, well, that'd be pretty cool to have, there's an angel of the church at Laodicea. What about an angel of the church of Mobile or South Haven or Foley? That would be pretty cool. There is, and it's me. It's me. This is written. I mean, I'm not saying that because I, I know whenever you think of Pastor Travis, you think, oh, what an angel he is. Right. But this is who they were talking. They were taught, Jesus was talking to the pastor to the pastor of the church. Why was he speaking to the pastor of the church? Because he wanted the pastor to speak to the church of Laodicea. Okay. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. Here's the message. To the church of Laodicea, and I would dare say to the church of America, in 2023. I know all the things you do that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You, let me just ask, has anybody ever picked up a soda that you thought was one you just brought out of the ref, refrigerator? But it was the one from yesterday. How did that make you feel? You say, I am rich, I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. I I would say today that we have everything. Look at you. Look how beautiful you are today. Just turn to your neighbor right now and say, you look so beautiful. If it's a dude, say, you look so handsome. You look so handsome. You guys look really good. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. You look really good. You look really good. But let me tell you, you know who looked really great today? The wife and the brother of the man living in third world conditions, sitting with their family in a very meager home saying, I'm just so thankful. I'm just so thankful for their witness because it meant that they belonged to God. Let me tell you, whatever it is that we lay up on this earth, whatever it is that we lay up that is not laid up in heaven, it will be burned, it will be consumed. I have yet to see a U-Haul trailer on a hearse going to the graveyard. Never seen it. You can't take it with you. Let me tell you, this woman, this man, these men, these 21 men, they laid up riches in heaven that moths cannot destroy, that rust cannot destroy, that can't be aged, that can't time out, that the sand can't run out of the hourglass on. They laid up treasures in heaven, and they have received a crown, and they are enthroned with God. So I advise you, I advise you, let me give you some good Let me give you some good financial advice today. I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. 
Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me, so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. He's talking about sanctification, holiness, righteousness. Setting aside all those things that do so easily beset us so that we can run the race. Pathway Church, stop sinning. How many times do I have to tell us? What a persistent flesh we deal with. Isn't, you know what I'm saying? What a persistent taste. Uh, what a persistent appetite that we have. What persistent desires that we have that actually oppose the very heart of God. Am I speaking to anybody? Is there anybody say, Pastor, I'm just like you. I, I battle those things too, right? I mean, I, we can't have the angel of the church at Mobile being the only one that's jacked up and messed up and battling against temptation and sin. Please tell me I'm not in a room full of goody two-shoes that don't ever do anything wrong and are never tempted. Now, I'm going to tell you, stop doing wrong. But when you are tempted, which you will be tempted until your very last breath, as you are tempted, flee from temptation, resist the devil, be filled with the Holy Spirit, be faithful, be victorious. Amen. Okay. So, you know, put on white garments from me so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see Man, there's a lot I'd like to share with you. Let me just say this about the ointment on the eyes. Once your eyes have been touched by God, you will no longer see things the way the world sees them. But pastor, you don't understand what the injustices of things that are happening, we gotta stick it to the man, you know? I mean, people have too much they've taken or, or the crime, or have you seen what's happening on the street corners? Listen, after you've had your eyes touched by the ointment of God, the things that you see that are wrong in the world, they're not just wrong, but these are people created in the image of God that he wants to touch and heal and save and transform and redeem and reconcile back to himself. Now, I'd love to just talk about that, but I think what I'm saying is back to the beginning, get on fire for Jesus. Get in the word of God. Be touched by his word and be changed. He says, I correct and dis- discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends, as friends. What you see here is that we have a God that occupies two spaces with us. We have a vertical relationship with God and we have a horizontal relationship with God. In the vertical, Jesus is king. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, our soon coming king that all kings will bow before and acknowledge. And let me tell you, whatever the king wants, the king gets. He doesn't ask. It's not a democracy. It's not a republic. You don't get a vote. Yes, there is a vote, but there's one vote 
three votes in one vote. It's a trinity of votes, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I remember one time somebody told my dad as a young pastor, just kind of starting off, they didn't like something that I was preaching. And my dad said, well, my son does have a pulpit committee that you can talk to. They said, oh, really, who is it? He said, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I thought that was, I thought that was really good. I was encouraged by that. I missed my dad because he would trash talk a trash talker at the drop of a hat. I loved it. I loved it. But that's just how the king is. But the awesome thing is, is that when we submit ourselves to the king, he doesn't only come to conquer, but he comes to knock at the door and come in and share a meal together as friends. As as friends, he wants to be with us. He doesn't only want to have, be a king over a dominion, but he wants to be with us, to be with us. I want you to stand with me, please. Those who are victorious, and I think this is the crazy awesome part about this passage. Please, everybody, just dial in with me right now, okay? God is doing a work in some people's lives in this room. There's some very, there's some holy things that are happening in this room right now. Listen to this. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne. We have envisioned that we will stand before the throne. We will. We will because he's king. Because he's king, but because he's also our friend. No, he's even more than that. There's something else going on here that happens with our adoption into the family of God. Sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears... To hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. We are not, he is not only our king, we are not only friends, but according to Romans chapter eight, verse 17, we are joint heirs with Jesus. And he has invited us to be enthroned with him. Let me tell you, As the song, the old song goes, when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown. There will be no crown. There will be no victory. There will be no enthroning with God if we don't show up in the battle. In the battle, there's going to be a test. We got to stand. We got to be victorious. We got to be faithful to the Lord. If you failed, keep following after Jesus. He loves you and he wants you to finish this race. And he doesn't want you just to make it, but he wants you to make it victoriously. How many brothers and sisters here today say, Pastor, I've had some struggles. I'm in some struggles, but I profess, I proclaim, I declare that I am a victorious man. I'm a victorious woman of God. I have a king and I have a friend and I am adopted into the family of God. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us give. We'll see you next week.